to today's message, we've been going through a sermon series called uh, Break the Rules, and we've been talking about different areas in your life that maybe are holding you back. It's the new year, and so everybody wants kind of a, a better year. We want, we, want to, we want to accomplish new things. We want, to, we want to see things grow in our life. And typically what we do as people is we spend an awful lot of time working on the outside, but I'm a big believer that you can fix up the outside all you want, but if, you're, if your heart is struggling, if you're struggling with things like bitterness, and last week we talked about uh, offense, and I told you, listen, you never again have to be offended. That offend, offended is your choice, not the other person's. And so you don't run from offense, you, go, you grow over offense. And so we kind of talked about that. A little bit. And so today I want to talk to you about envy. Next week I think it's going to be a very life-giving message for somebody in this room. We're going to talk about the topic of shame. The Bible says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, that there is no condemnation for those who are found in Christ Jesus our Lord. But yet many people struggle with shame. There's a difference between shame and guilt. I just want to give you a little bit of this because I want you to be here next week. And I want you to invite people because I know how many people struggle with this. Guilt says you've done something wrong. Shame, it says you are something wrong. And there's a lot of people that they struggle with that, that I'm just wrong and there's no way that I can be fixed. And biblically, that's not true, that Jesus can put anybody back together. And, and so we're going to talk about shame, but today I want to talk to you about the topic of envy. We've been reading the book of Colossians chapter 3, verse number 15. It's kind of our, our, our core verse, our foundation. And this is what Scripture says. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Instead of letting these other things rule in your heart, let the peace of Christ rule in, in your heart. Why? Here's why. Ready? Whatever you're ruled by, dictates the results of your life. And when you're ruled by the wrong things, you'll be ruined. Let me read that again. Whatever you're ruled by, it dictates the results of your life. And when you're ruled by the wrong things, your life, it could be led to ruins. And so today I want to talk to you really specifically about envy and jealousy because a lot of people struggle with it. In fact, I read that someone has said that envy and jealousy is the sin that nobody talks about and also the sin that no one wants to admit that they have. It's the sin that we don't often talk about and it's also a sin that, I mean, if, if I'm truthful, I don't want to admit that I'm jealous of, of anyone. I want to act like, like I got my act together and I am completely content and happy with everything that I have and I could care less about you and my eyes are never on you, yet I can't stay off Facebook. Like, I'm perfectly happy on my house on a Saturday with my kids running around making a mess in my house, breaking windows in, in my basement, you know, doing nothing fun, right, but just taking care of kids and all that stuff, and, and I can't stay off Facebook and see you out and about and hanging out, and I'm still in my, my sweatpants, and I haven't brushed my teeth yet, and I am perfectly happy. And all of a sudden, listen, if we were all perfectly content, we would never again go on social media. Ever. You wouldn't even have time because you'd be so busy being content. I'm so content right now, I can't even pick up my phone because I am so excited about where my life is at and what I'm doing and who I'm spending time with. I'm having dinner with my family. I don't have time to worry about what you're eating right now. But I can't. Because I struggle with envy and, and jealousy. It's the sin not enough people talk about, and no one wants to admit that they have. In fact, a man named Joseph Kennedy, I'm not sure who he was, he said more men and women die of, of envy than of cancer. 
I don't know if that's scientifically true or not. But I know it's in us. In fact, you know, I, I've shared with you, we, we've recently moved into a different home, and, and I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nicer home than our, than our old home. It has more room, it has a yard, stuff like that for my kids to play in. We were watching HDTV two Saturdays ago. Chip and Joanna Gaines, the source of my envy and my jealousy, right? And we're watching this show with, with my kids. And now, now my kids, my, my boys, they share a room, but, but their, their room in their old house literally was like, like an eight-by-eight eight room, and they shared it with bunk beds, and they used to beat, beat each other up, and we were like, we got to get either pads on the walls or we got to get them into a, diff- into a little more space. And so their new room is, is much bigger. They share. They got, they got, it's just a better room, and they got a yard now and all that stuff, and we're watching HGTV, and, and they're doing their, their house, and you know they, they pull the things apart, and they began to show this, this renovated house, and it's all redone, and it's beautiful. And from... The, the, my, my, my lazy boy or my, or my kid sitting, he, he says this, my, my middle, he says, he says, I'm so jealous right now. Without even thinking about it. I'm so jealous of that, that house as we're sitting here in our pajamas watching our flat screen TV in the house we just moved into. By the way, we just had French toast for breakfast, homemade, right? The only thing I can make. And in the moment, in, in that moment, like in that, in that time, we still are, I'm, je- I'm jealous. I'm, I'm envious. And, and, and here's what Scripture says about, about this. This is, this is really, it says a lot about it, actually. I never realized how much it says about envy and jealousy, but watch these three different verses. I have a lot of scripture verses because I want the word to get inside of you today, but Proverbs 14 says this, watch this. It says, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Maybe it does kill people. Envy, envy rots people's bones. Here's another one, Proverbs 27, 4 says, anger is cruel and fury overwhelming. The writer's saying like, man, anger is a big deal. Fury, watch out. Somebody will run you off the road if you make them mad in Pennsylvania. But watch this. But who can stand before jealousy? We spend all this time trying to not be angry and keep our fury down, and I get all that. But the writer of this proverb says, you know what's even worse? You know what destroys even more people's lives without us even knowing it? Jealousy. Galatians 5, verse number 19 says this. It's the acts of the flesh. Just so you know, the flesh is is sinful, the Bible says. The Bible calls you to live by the Spirit and step with the the Spirit. So he says, here's the acts of the flesh. Here's how you know you're not living in step with the Spirit. Here's how you're not producing fruit of of the Spirit. The Bible says in Galatians 5.19, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord. And then it just fits in here. Jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I bet you never put envy and jealousy in the same category as orgies and the like. <laughs> I mean, if you ever slow down and read scripture, you're like, whoa. I warn you as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who are allowing envy and resentment and, 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 and those things in life will, will not inherit the kingdom of God. So, so here's what envy is. You ready? Envy is resenting God's goodness in other people's lives while ignoring God's goodness in your own life. En- envy at its core 
is, is resenting God's goodness in, in our lives. Not seeing all the good things that, 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 that it's, it's me and my, my sons, not seeing all the good things, sitting on a lazy boy, even by definition of that, I'm lucky. I'm sitting in my lazy boy chair, right, in my sweatpants because I can have a day off on Saturday and still pay my bills. And by the way, I have enough money to eat garbage food that is not going to feed me at all, but is going to make my Saturday great in French toast with butter-flavored syrup. <laughs> Watching my TV with my, with my stand that, hey, if I want a little fire, fake fire, I can just turn it on. I got it from Lowe's. It was an as-is, fully put together. <laughs> want a fire? There it is for you. And you watch a show. So instead of being like, this is amazing, it's incredible, aren't we so blessed and lucky? I'm so, I'm so jealous. That's what, that's what jealousy does. And here's the thing about, about jealousy and, and envy, is there's really two things that end up happening in our lives. And I want to show you these two things, and then I want to I point out three different areas in your life that, that maybe will show you that you're struggling with it. And then once again, I want to show you how not to struggle with it, because if it rots the bones, we should probably take care of it. There's not a vitamin or a pill you can go to your doctor to get this week and say, you know what, my, I think my bones are rotting because Scripture says I have an envy problem. Can you help me with that? Science can't fix that. You can only be touched by the great physician, the healer. His name's Jesus. And here's a couple things that happen that, that, are, that are common problems with envy. And this is what it says in James chapter 3, verse number 16. I want to skip down a couple. But it says, for where you have envy and selfish ambition... There you will find disorder and every evil practice. Where you, where you have these things. I want, here, here's two things that happen when, when, you, when you're struggling with envy. Number one is envy rots relationships. It is physically impossible to be close to anyone when you are an envious, jealous person. It is impossible. You'll never be, be okay with them. You'll, you'll be okay until they're doing better than who? than you. As soon as they're doing better than you, what happens? I'm not talking to them. In fact, I'm not only going to not talk to them, I'm going to find someone to talk to, that, talk to about, about them. I'm going to talk about how if I was in their position, I would be a lot better than they are. And you begin to allow it to rot every relationship that you have. I mean, go, if you know the Bible, go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible. There's a story of the first brothers, Cain and Abel. You know what destroys their relationship? Envy and jealousy. The story says that both of them come to make a, a sacrifice to God. The younger brother, he does what every older sibling uh, hates. He, he shows up, the older sibling, but not on purpose, just simply because he's doing what, what he's supposed to be, what God wants him to do. He's putting God first, and he makes a sacrifice, and, and he gives God, and it's his best. And then Cain comes, the older brother, he gives him the leftovers. Whose offering or sacrifice do you think God was pleased with? His younger brothers. And instead of Cain going, man, why did I offer God my, my second best? Why did, I, why did I not give God my best? Which, by the way, oftentimes in church is the foundation of why you're not seeing the same blessings that your so-called friend is. You want what they have, but you aren't willing to do what they did. 
You want, you want to see God's financial blessing in your life? You have to put God first in your tithes and in your offerings. That is the only answer. That's what God says. I'm so mad at them. God's blessing their business, and he's blessing them financially, and he's taking care of them. And instead of doing what they did to see God bless me like he's blessing them, I'm just going to get mad at them. I'm going to get jealous, and I'm going to get envious. And, and what happens? It rots all, all, of, all of your relationships, I bet. If you step back from many of your relationships, that at the core of you not being able to deal with that person is is envy and jealousy. Another thing it does is envy spoils life. In, In the midst of something where you should be taking great joy in the blessings that you have, you can't even do it because you're too busy with envy. You should be on a vacation or, or, or with your family or spending time, whatever, doing a hobby and just enjoying it. But you can't because in the back of your mind, you're consistently worrying about the other person. Not only does it rot relationships, but, but it ends up spoiling your life. It ends up taking everything and putting it under a, a wrong perspective where you're seeing everything out of the lens of of envy. So the question then becomes, how do I know if I'm struggling with this? Because once again, it rots bones. If it has the ability to do that in my life and it affects more people than I know and it's going to ruin relationships and it's actually going to spoil my life, then how do I know I'm struggling with it? I want to give you three, three ways today to know if you're feeding envy. What you feed grows. What you starve dies. Are you with me? If you're struggling with it, you need to starve it, and if you starve it, it'll spiritually die. If you keep doing these things, you're going to keep feeding it. Envy rots bones. What does it do? It rots relationships, and it spoils or destroys life. So here's three. Number one is this. is You know you're feeding envy if you constantly are comparing yourself to other people. If you are constantly comparing yourself to other people. I mean, we've been doing this since the dawn of man. So think about it. Since the beginning of time when you were born on this earth, well, Christmas would come. I know Christmas just passed. We don't want to think about it. Still paying for it, right? For 2013, it's trying to get past that one. <laughs> What's the first thing you did when you were a kid? What'd you get for Christmas? What'd you get? What'd you have? Well, I got this. I got that. You never even wanted to go first because if you didn't get as much as that person, you need to come up with a story <laughs> to make sure it seemed like you did get that much. We've been doing this since the dawn of man. Advertisers do this all the time to us. Be sitting in your house, once again, watching that TV, watching and all that stuff, HGTV, whatever show, on Pinterest, looking around, right? Going through ideas for your house, go out into your car and all that stuff, and then you watch commercials and it's constantly bombarding you with new cars, with better houses, with better spouses. Better kids, better everything. And what do you start doing? You start comparing yourself. You walk out and and it goes back and you remember, hey, this car is not that car. And if this was that car, I would be happy, but this is this car. And you begin to compare yourself to everybody else. And here's what's happening. You're you're developing envy in your bones. There's there's a story in the Old Testament about a man named Saul. He's a great king, first king of of the Jewish people. God had done incredible things in this man's life. He had blessed him in in a miraculous way, but he began to allow pride to come into his his soul. And like anything, there's always going to be a transition in your life. I didn't know if you knew that or not. 
I've realized that this year as a 37-year-old. I'll be 37 in a week. Can you believe that? 37. I remember when I was cool when I was 27. We were starting this church. And now I got 20-year-olds on the stage, and they're leading worship. And, I, and I'm like, I feel like I'm the same age, but I'm not cool. They don't want to talk to me. And I realize in all great businesses, there's transitions. That I must decrease in this, in this place, and I must allow young, hip people to increase, right? Or in a few years, our church will be decreasing. That's what happens. And, and in his life, at some point, he's the king, God's blessing him, but at some point, there's going to have to be a transition of power to a different, a different man. And that man's name was David. If you were in, if you were in uh, Sunday school, you felt bored when you were a kid, you remember David, he killed Goliath, and then he chopped off his head, he oh, picked it up, he held it. David was an incredible, incredible warrior, and, and, and then what happened is people began to get excited about David's future, and there's a story in the Bible where David and Saul are kind of coming home from, from battle, and the people begin to shout in 1 Samuel 18, verse number 8, that, that, that David kills uh, or Saul kills thousands, David, he kills ten thousands. So the Bible says in verse 18 that Saul becomes very angry, and this displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, but me with only thousands. What can be, what, what more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. And that's exactly what many of us do in our lives. We keep, instead of keeping our eyes fixed on our Lord, instead of keeping our eyes fixed on the many blessings that, like instead of waking up and going, I just woke up after laying lifeless in bed for the past seven or eight hours. And the Lord and my iPhone woke me up today. <laughs> but I'm awake. Instead of often waking up and saying, I got a job today. What do we do? We struggle with comparison. How many times and what do we often compare with? Maybe it's a job. You know, you got a job, but you know how you have a friend or somebody else who has a better job. They get paid more money. Instead of waking up and, and being thankful for what you, you have, that gets stolen from you because you are comparing what you have to what somebody else has. Instead of you waking up every day and thanking God for your spouse, which, by the way, would probably change your marriage. You spend too much time on social media comparing your spouse's everyday Saturdays to your friend's spouse's highlights. My friend's spouse gets my friend flowers every day. No, he doesn't. She just takes pictures every time it happens. Instead of waking up and saying, God, thank you for uniquely engrafting and molding my kids in my wife's belly, right, and making them all different, and God, they're not perfect, but God, they're just exactly the way that you want them to be to accomplish what you called them to accomplish. We get on, and we're like, well, my son doesn't do this, and he can't do that, and you look at your son, and you're like, what's wrong with you? You're broke. Let me show you what... Sisters, let me show you what he's doing today. Don't ever do that to your kids, by the way. If you do, I got to name a couple, couple good counselors for you. And we, we compare. We, we keep our eyes in our life on, on the wrong things, just like Saul did. For, for me, it would be, 
Instead of waking up every week and thanking God and every Saturday and Sunday, thanking God for, 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 for Journey Church and all that God has done, I can tend to start comparing our church to other people's ministries, other people's churches. God, how are we doing, not how are we doing and what you've called us to do. Instead, how are we doing compared to them? You know what happens when you begin to compare two things? Number one is envy comes in. And then, listen, typically what we do is we don't like to compare ourselves often to people we think are better than us. And so what we do is we, be we begin to compare ourselves to people that are worse than us. And then you know what happens? Pride comes in. And neither one of those are places you want to be. Are you consistently and commonly comparing? H here's what I know. Comparison is the enemy's way of telling you that God has cheated you. Comparison is Satan's voice. It's his way of telling you that God has cheated you. You're in the middle of a story, right? Maybe in the beginning. And here's what I've learned to do is I, I don't want to compare the middle of my story or maybe the beginning of my story with the middle of anybody else's story because my story is unique to just, just me. I want to spend my time with my eyes on the wrong people. Comparing. Number two, and this one's good. This one's really hard competing. Don't you love to compete with other people? We've been competing since the moment that we were born. I read a story about two shop owners. They were on the opposite sides of the street, and they competed with each other about everything. It got downright awful until one day God came to, to one of the shop owners and said, listen, we got to fix this problem. I tell you what, I will answer any prayer request that you have in the world. Whatever you want. You want money, you want time, you want better customers, you want more creativity. Whatever you ask for, I'll answer. But before you ask, no, whatever I give you, I'm going to double for your, the, your, your competitor over there. So if I give you money, he's going to get double the money. If I give you creativity, he's going to get double the creativity. Your business is still going to be blessed. You're still going to pay your bills. You're still going to make a difference. But he's going to get double. So the shop owner thought for a little bit, and he said, okay, here, here, here's what I want. I want you to strike me blind in one eye. I'm going to give you a second to think about that. That means the other shop owner will get blind in both eyes. Boom, that's a good answer. And that's what we do in life. We consistently are going, hey, God, I don't care if I'm the best. I just want to be better than that person. I don't care if I'm better than the stranger down the road. I just want to make sure that I'm better than, than my neighbor or I'm better than my, here's a good one, my sibling. I'm better than, than my coworker. And here's what Scripture says in Ecclesiastes 4, written by the wisest man ever. He said, I saw that all toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. <laughs> Everything we do, he says, I see that most of us do it because we simply want to be better than another person. He says, this too is meaningless, a, chase, a chasing after the wind. Why? Because there will always be somebody better than you. I'm going to tell you that again because some of you don't believe it. No matter how good you get, somebody better is going to come and throw shade on your glory. It's going to be easier for somebody. They're not going to have to work as hard as you. And you spend so much time competing with the wrong things. Here's what happens when, when you compete with the wrong things. When you compete with the wrong person, you become bitter. The only real person you should be competing with is, is yourself. 
Because when you compete with yourself, you become what? Better. When you say, I want to be the best that I was called to be, I know, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, that I need to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. Why? He's the author and the perfecter of only my faith, my story, what he's written. I'm going to stay in in my lane. I'm not going to start focusing on everybody else's lane because when I do that, an accident happens. You ever done that by accident? I was driving to Texas when I was 18 years old. I was crying because I was leaving the girl that I thought I was going to marry. I didn't marry her. Obviously, I'm married to my wife, and I've been married happily for 15 years now, all this stuff. But I thought I was going to marry this other girl that I was dating for three months. And so I was devastated, and I was driving to Texas from Pennsylvania. And there's this whole other story, but I remember very distinctly my, my, my dad made me, made, made me drive. And so I'm on the road, and I'm in Tennessee. We're about halfway there, and I'm crying, and I'm, I'm thinking about all these things that are happening, and I'm focusing on the wrong thing, and all this sudden I swerved to the right and I was in a construction zone and there was one of those orange barrels filled with water I didn't know if you know they were filled with water it was filled with water and I drilled this thing in a borrowed minivan that we were taking down there and the thing a little bit of me was like I didn't know there was water in there that's incredible see that I mean water coming down like a Hollywood movie the truth is the reason I hit it is because I was keeping my eyes focused on the wrong thing There's only one of you. I tell my son this all the time. I have three different kids. They're all different ages. And my nine-year-old is always competing with his younger brother. He's seven. And I always tell him, I'm like, number one, you should be better than him at everything. You're two years older. It's like this way it is. I remember dominating my brother at everything. I still do, by the way. But I remember. (laughs) I remember. And the truth is, I'm three and a half years older than him. I should be. I'm competing with the wrong thing. And so I'll tell my son, Carter, I'm like, you are the only nine-year-old in this house. In fact, not only are you the only nine-year-old in this house, you are the only Carter Wade Dufresne in this world. I don't care if you measure up in height and talent and gifts and in abilities. The only person you're supposed to measure up with is yourself. You're supposed to become the best version of who God created you to be because he put you on this earth at this time for a season to make a difference that no one else is going to be able to make. And when you take your eyes off of that and you begin to compete, what happens is you just get bitter and you miss God's calling. Some of you, you're, 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 com- you're competing. You're, you're, you're comparing. And here's, an, here's, here's the one I like the best especially for this area. Complaining. Come on. Comes natural to us. I can do it really easy. Watch this. It's January and it's not snowing. It's awful. Or I can woke up today and I can go, it rains every Sunday. Listen, I could have done that, but guess what? It's still raining. Literally, my complaining has done nothing, ever. I'll complain about everything. It just feels good, right? I'll complain about my house. I'll complain about my car. I'll complain about the person driving in front of me. I'll complain uh, about, about anything and everything that I can complain about. I'll complain about my spouse. We'll complain about everything. Complain how our kids act. We complain. I heard one person say, complain, remain the same. Why? Because it does nothing except make you more negative. Let me tell you what this world does not need right now. One more negative person. Have you been watching the news? All, that, all that's going on over the last couple days 
has not changed anything. Has not changed anything. The world does not need more complaining. That has never been the answer since the dawn of time. You know what we'll do to fix this world? We'll yell really loud and we'll complain about what we don't like. That will fix it. You know what I'll do in my life? If I don't like my spouse, I'll complain to them. That'll fix them. <laughs> Said nobody that's ever had a good marriage. And some of you in me. We complain. Watch what the Bible says in Philippians 2. This is going to be a shocker to you. Complaining is, is never the answer in Scripture. I don't know if you knew that. There was never a moment where Jesus was like to the apostles and other guys that were kind of spreading the message of the gospel in the early Scripture. You're going to get drugged from places. You're going to get beat. You're going to get stoned. You're going to get thrown in prison. Families, people that you love, they're going to abandon you. And listen, if it gets really bad, the number one thing you should do is complain go after it it'll fix all your problems in fact this is what Paul writes and and he if anybody should have been complaining it was him because he writes this from prison the Bible says he's been stoned to death left for dead shipwrecked bitten by a snake I mean if I got bit by a snake when I was up here preaching I complain I'm just telling you If a snake came in this room when I was preaching, I would complain. And this is what Scripture says in Philippians 2, verse 14. It says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. That word everything in the Greek means everything. It's not like the date. Everything. Do everything without complaining so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault, and a warped and crooked generation. Then it says this. Then you will shine among them like the stars in the sky. What causes the church to shine among people? Lack of complaining. Complain remain the same. What do we got to complain about? And what good does it do? My wife has told me this many times because I have a knack for complaining. It's a spiritual gift, right? So I can complain about stuff, so I complain about how my kids are acting, complain about this, complain about that, complain about a lack of help, complain about whatever I can find to complain about. It comes really easy to me. Every once in a while, she'll stop me and she'll say, do you really have anything to complain about? Anything. Kids are healthy. You got the best wife in the world. She says that to me. She's right, right? We ate today, you have clothes on, you're sitting on your lazy boy, you're watching a flat screen TV, you have time to watch HGTV, Chip and Michelle Gaines or Joanna Gaines, whatever, they're, they're, they're gracing the, the TV, like you, you have a lot to be thankful for. And she said, sometimes she's like, even if, because she said, there's people that really have something to complain about, kids have cancer, spouses died, like something like that, you have no drinking water, no lazy boy. Even if you were struggling with some of those, just say complaining still wouldn't be the answer. It still wouldn't fix, fix anything. Why? Because complaining is feeding envy and jealousy. Competing is feeding envy and jealousy. Comparing, that's feeding envy and jealousy. What do they do? They spoil life and they ruin relationships. The Bible says that, that a heart at peace, that's a good thing, but envy... It it rots your bones. So the question then becomes, what what do I do? Because here's what happens. An envious heart is filled with discontent. Discontent leads to distrust of God. That's what what happens. 
It's you saying, God, you're not bringing me what I need. You're not bringing me what I need. And all of a sudden, you're not trusting God for, for, as to be your source. And then here's what happens. Distrust of God ultimately steals your joy. There is nothing in your life. Some of you, I've come in this place and you're saying, well, I would stop complaining if this would happen. I'd be a lot happier. No, you wouldn't. Because the Bible says that it's only the joy of the Lord that is your strength. That it's not a possession and it's not a person. It's a relationship with the Savior. And so Paul, the same guy who wrote, you know, in everything you do, don't grumble, don't complain. He writes in that same book in Philippians chapter 4, verse number 12. This is what he writes to us, and this is so good when it comes to to envy. He says, I know what it is to be in need, and, and I know what it is to have plenty. I live both. We've all been there, right? I know what it is to have those good months when you have money in the bank, and I know what it is where everything's breaking. I know what it is when you feel like you're riding on top of the world, and I know what it is when you feel like you're getting shortchanged. I know what it is. I know what it's like, he says. I've learned a secret of being content. I've learned a secret in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And then he says this, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. That's the answer. What's the answer? I can do all things through him. I'm not going to compare. I'm not going to compete. I'm not going to complain. Why? God has called me uniquely at this time in history to his purposes and his plans. And he's going to bring me everything that I need to do what he's called me to do. And I'm going to consistently, instead of speaking envy and letting envy rot my bones, I'm going to say to myself, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Some of you need to write that down. When you're tempted to complain, you're going to do that little nit. Nope. You're going to kill it inside of you. And you're going to go back to Philippians chapter 4. And real simply, you're going to say, I know what it's like to have both. I know where contentment comes from. Where does contentment come from? It doesn't come from a destination. It comes from my mind knowing full well as I stand on the promise of Scripture that I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. I want to read this to you as we close. I put this in your notes at the very bottom. And this is what I want you to say to yourself this week. Every day that you wake up, if you struggle with this, it's real simple. Satan wants me to believe the lie that God cheated me and does not know best what I need. He wants me to focus on what I don't have and complain about what I do have. Today, I take captive of every lie and proclaim that I have everything that I need to accomplish everything that I've been sent to do. I'm not comparing, competing, or complaining. I'm content, and I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I want you to read that to yourself every day if you're struggling with envy. Why? Because it'll rot your bones. It's destroying your relationships, and it's spoiling the life that you have. And here's the thing about life. Once it's gone, it's gone. You understand what I'm saying? Like yesterday, the day that you complained about, you're never getting back again. There's something in every day for you to be grateful for. This moment with your kids that you're comparing and complaining and competing through, you are never getting back again. This time with your spouse, you're never getting back again. That's when they're saying, good. No. Nothing worse than living with regret. This time at your job when you get a chance to use your fingers and your legs, 
You get a chance to use that mind that you had nothing to do with to mold that God did. You get a chance to wake up and drive that car that runs and you really have nothing to do with it except for putting in the gas. That time when you wake and you stop at Wawa and you get a hot cup, cup of coffee or whatever you get in the morning. Every moment in that time, you have an opportunity in time to say, man, thank you for everything that I have. What's the answer to it? I can do all things through him who gives me strength. It's gratitude and it's generosity. I'm going to be thankful and I'm going to be giving. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Why? Because envy rots my bones. It spoils my relationships and it ruins my life. Would you stand with me?